Welcome to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast. Well, many thanks for joining us on the Journal of Biophilic Design. Um, we're really excited to be joined by Elliot Bennett. Um, he's founder of iPlants Magazine and also the Biophilic Design Awards. Um, he's president and owner of the iPlants Magazine. Um, I'm going to put a link on the uh, website, on the Journal of Biophilic Design website, and also alongside the spiel that goes with each um, podcast. Um, Elliot, many thanks for joining us, first of all. No, happy to be here. Great, thank you. And listeners, he's um, he's actually uh, wiring in from Canada, which is about to go in the middle of a blizzard. So we're, we're lucky to have him before the internet connection disappears. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, well, Elliot, can you um, can you tell us first a little bit about yourself, please? What's your, what your background is, you know, and how you got into plants? So uh, my background is a second generation business owner. My parents, they had started a service industry business we had evolved out of a cleaning company, which was my grandparents' business. We were inside commercial buildings, and early in the 80s, a request came in for some plants. And it was basically two plants that were killed by a, a painter painting a lead paint in an office. And then the client asked my dad to replace the plants or figure out what was going on. And it just started from there. So it's small beginnings and we're in a, a smaller city. So there's, you know, there's only so many competitors here and we've been able to be successful. Uh, we got our largest uh, break in the late eighties, 88. And we, and we really went in through the nineties and two thousands up into 2022 now uh, with a lot of focus on the interior landscaping side of things. So we offer pots and plants with a maintenance package and we can either lease or buy. And we offer terms. Uh, we have a warehouse. We can house you know, up to a thousand plants at a time. We bring in planters that are from Germany, typically overseas or the US. And yeah, our clients, you know, they stick with us long-term. It's great. Mm -hmm. The maintenance is how we you know, generate money ongoing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's been a good business model for us. What brings me along to today is, is things falling apart in 2019 and 2020. I was pretty much at a point where I'd been there for 10 years. They don't really need me involved anymore. The organization itself was using the program for its own purposes. At the time, uh, there's a lady by the name of Kathy Fadu. Mm -hmm. She ran iPlans Magazine. Started it in 2010 to 2019, and she shut it down at the end of 2019 uh, due to some health concerns. So she wanted to enjoy retirement and get get that started, which I don't blame her. So the magazine went dormant for six or eight months, basically, and it had been running a interior design contest, which was kind of a similar program to what I had been running at the nonprofit. However, she had the magazine to promote the actual winners, which we didn't have. We had an award show gala where people would come and get their plaques, you know, get their ovations and have dinner. And, and then that was it. So COVID hit and, you know, I was home more mm -hmm. trying to figure out, like we didn't have an e-commerce side to our business and the magazine was, was there. I knew it was just sitting there basically. Nobody had picked it up. So I ended up talking to Kathy. I was like, you know, I don't know how to run a magazine. 
but I can I can run the awards program for sure. Yeah. And then so we got that all sorted out and then started on the magazine. Uh, my girlfriend uh, is a basically marketing and communications uh, expert and she had previous experience building these kinds of magazines. So it worked out great. We get to work on the magazine together nice. and she develops the covers, all pictures and and we started just, I think we launched it on Christmas Day, 2020. That was like the rebirth <laughs> of the magazine. Yeah. And from there, um, you know, I've been pretty much, I've been seeing the top projects in North America for about 10 years. I know what's going on within the interior landscaping world, which is far as green walls, moss walls, yeah, Christmas decorations, um, all that stuff. So mm. it's, I got a good grasp of what's going on. And there's another nonprofit organization called Green Plants for Green Buildings, which is really been formed by the past PIA group that I had originally started with. Mm -hmm. So I have a really good connection with, with that group. And being a part of Green Plants for Green Buildings for several years, seeing you know what's current in the marketplace as far as information we can sell mm -hmm. or give out to clients. That's where biophilic designs kind of crept in. Mm -hmm. So uh, originally they were trying to bring the plants and get lead accreditation points for them, mm -hmm. for these buildings to have a reason to buy more pots and plants essentially and, and get the lead points. And that just wasn't working though. They weren't signing off on bringing plants into lead. It ended up going into something called the well building standard. Okay. And then from from there, it's now biophilic design has kind of taken over yeah. pretty quickly with, you know, within the industry, but that's kind of what's going on here. And I know that plants are only a small percentage of biophilic design itself, but it is the living thing. Yeah. You know, there's nothing quite like other than an animal, essentially, that you could have around that's alive. So that's the difference maker between having an actual plant and a picture of a plant. And more people nowadays seem to be gravitating towards live plants, yeah. which is great for the industry. Yeah. So that's the long story of how I got it, the magazine. And then I rebranded the Her Awards program, the Biofilic Design Awards. Mm -hmm. And in partnership with Green Plants for Green Buildings, uh, some of their experts in the field helped mm -hmm. me develop the scoring and dredging criteria. Okay. So it's been tailored to reflect basically biophilic design attributes that would apply to interior landscaping professionals so that's really our core group is that segment that's you know going into commercial buildings doing a large atrium doing mm -hmm. living walls moss walls the entire office mm -hmm. and it could be somebody specking it like a designer or an architect mm -hmm. and then maybe the interior landscapers are taking over and doing the installs and then mm -hmm. the maintenance so that's those groups would be the ideal candidate for going for one of these awards essentially and they're called the biophilic design awards isn't it that's that's your that's the title of what it that is that is the title yeah, yeah biophilic design awards exactly um and they're great they're really good you get some really interesting people applying um and you know see so your shortlist and then who you celebrate so um, we'll come on to those very shortly but just you you touched on the thing there about biophilic design about that now being like an overarching term 
over when, yeah. I, when I when I talk to some interior designers and architects and, and sort of business owners, corporate, sometimes they don't they don't know about biophilic design. There's yeah. sort of it's over here in, in, in England, there's still like, oh well, plants, you know, it's landscaping, it's interior landscaping. But then you get like, like you say, these other people are going, oh well, it's biophilic design. I get it, I get it. And there's like usually from coming from the interior designer. Um, mm -hmm. are, you, are you finding it's just so generally, just generally more people are understanding biophilic design? A, have heard of biophilic design, and B, um, are kind of more open-minded to to embrace it, embrace, um, embrace biophilic design? I think within the industry, it's mm -hmm. become pretty commonplace. Yeah. Uh, outside of the industry, there's a steep learning curve. Mm -hmm. You know, people hear biophilia and they think it's some disease. You know, it's... it's <laughs> It's just got that name. You go, no, it's not that. It's a good thing. You know, it's people's natural attraction to other living things like plants and animals. Yeah. So we've evolved out of the countryside into cities for the first time in a couple hundred years. And mm -hmm. we have an innate, you know, gravitational pull to nature. And we've mm -hmm. taken ourselves out of that and, you know, trying to replicate it in as many ways as possible. Mm -hmm. so there's studies that show that it, it does have effectiveness and in well-being improvements. So yeah. there is science there. I mean, yeah. I know I've come across some people that don't like plants and it, it just kind of blows my mind. It's like, you know, it's just sitting Why there. It's not? Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Some people are like that, you know, they just don't have that vibe with plants and mm -hmm. Yeah, they're I think hopefully some, few and far between. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think some people they're kind of like they think they're going to kill it, so they're like, oh, I don't really want to do. It. If I get that, I've, I've got responsibility and all this kind of stuff. But I've also shown yeah. that if you look after a plant, you're more likely to look after yourself. So actually, there's kind of a win-win there. So there's probably there's probably some psychology thing going on there, which maybe we shouldn't delve into right now. But um, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, for you personally, why is biophilic design important? why is it really important that we we incorporate this in um in our lives in in all sorts of aspects of our lives uh well i from a business perspective from from myself biophilic design is the new buzzword essentially and fulfilling that if there is a client need for that um that's kind of where i come in the importance mm -hmm. of it i mean i've seen I, usually the best day when we get a new client is when the plants go in. So yeah. there's the whole behind the scenes, doing the design, the ordering, getting it all together, planting it. And then you arrive on scene and you're starting to put these plants in people's office. And people are like running around the office. They're trading plants sometimes. And it's just, you can feel this energy increase in the office space. And it's, I'm not there after the usual install. Usually we're there a couple of weeks later to do maintenance, but I, I've seen it so many times the first install day and how people pick up mm -hmm. and their mood change. You know, if if that is sustainable long term and if just more and more reminders of nature, yeah. you know, whether it's artwork, moss walls, just textures in the carpets and mm -hmm. prints and the windows or, or glasswork, it just seems like every little thing you do, it all adds up to better well-being, essentially. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be the core driver now for what I do. You know, it didn't start out that way. It was, it was, there's always been a positive spin on plants, plants clean the air, plants make you happy. And it is all those things. But now it's got this proper label, it seems, 
that mm -hmm. it is biofilic design and then what is biofilic design. So that's where now the education side of things is, is kind of coming to light where it's like within my industry where it's now become a common term, does everybody fully understand what biofilic design is? Mm -hmm. So that's where, you know, going through an awards program where you're getting judged by biofilic design experts mm -hmm. really is, it's like a peer review essentially like you want that stamp of approval where you're saying you're a biofilic designer well let's make sure you understand what you are selling as biofilic design it's not just plants there's mm. there's more to it you know there's what's it 14 different uh segments of biofilic design i believe so it's it's knowing all those and you know not all of them apply but you need to know where your strengths are mm -hmm. and, and that's yeah. kind of for the industry itself more educated people that we have, the better mm -hmm. we look, more yeah. professional come across. And just as an industry as a whole, it should elevate everybody, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's kind of what I see. Yeah, absolutely. And because biofilic design being a being a well-being, you know, it's better for people, place and planet and everything. Um, right. I think it's yeah, I think that's and obviously really trying to hit, you know, hit the environmental button as well. Um, and obviously, you know, there's there's all these different aspects of biophilic design, which is also including about using natural materials, having wood tables, you know, mm -hmm. and I, one of the things that I really like about plants, particularly when you do an, you know, for an install, um, is that the fact that they move. So you have another pattern of biophilic design is that this movement, you know, this sort of erratic movement that you get in nature with the leaves, um, you know, in the wind, you know, sometimes they're stationary and then something moves them. And and we and if you think about most offices, you know, because most of these places that you're doing the installations are offices or, or, or schools or whatever, but they're boxes, mm -hmm. basically. And yeah. there's, they're hermetically sealed for a start. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no natural um, air coming in, no natural, you know, the windows, the vents, ventilation isn't open. So you don't get much movement. And what's really lovely about plants, even when you get people walking past them up and down the corridor, you get that sort of movement. And, and also the, the, um, the shadows, which move and, and create patterns on the floor. And this is all really, really good for our brains, isn't it? So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I really, yeah. I mean, just as a kind of like, just a crazy question. Do you have a, like a, a favorite, a favorite plant? I know you kind of intimated to one just before we started recording. Yeah, I, I mean, I love palms. I'm a palm tree guy. I, I love the big classic outdoor palm with coconuts on it. Uh, <laughs> and it's because I'm in like a tough, tough climate. I can't have one outside and that's, you know, my holidays are typically to the tropics somewhere where I I get that. But yeah, it's a dream of mine to have palms. And I, I have a palm in my bedroom, for instance, a smaller one, a, a ponytail palm. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's that little slice of the tropics, which, you know, brings that warm feeling of heat and, and positive vibes that I believe is my underlying draw to the palm tree. It just has a good feeling and a good vibe to it. Yeah. yeah that would be the one <laughs> it's really nice because the eye plant magazine actually has a plant palm it has a palm logo. and the logo yeah we turned the eye into a palm that was, that was all me and another <laughs> showcasing the palm love um yeah that's, yeah. <laughs> that's how it went down yeah, I like it. I, like, I think it's really good. I, I like palm trees as well. You know, I kind of, I, yeah. I, love, I love lots of different sort of plants and, but yeah, palm trees, there's something about it, isn't it? It conjures those that time. I, I, I spent some time in Bali and um, in the garden, in the sort of villa place that I was staying and it had all these palm trees above my head and it was just lovely. And this, it was the sound as well, the sound of those particular yeah. leaves, you know. You just see it kind of like fluttering in the wind a little bit, you mm. know, nothing, 
too much, but it just it just sounds warm, you know, yeah. and inviting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, I, I, actually, I'm, I'm going to invite the listeners, the people who are listening to the podcast. I would really be intrigued if you could write in and let us know what your favourite plant is. That would be really something, and I, I might do a little collation and and um, and do something with that later. But, um, but um, yeah. So, so going back to the, the Biophilic Design Awards, was there? Is there been? Um, I mean, you could sort of just tell us about one, or you know, somebody that that might be sort of that might sort of stick out in your mind. Um, that you might just want to mention, you know, sort of maybe the kind of company that it was or the install that it did. Was there, was there, is there something that you just like to kind of just highlight to give people an sure. idea of the kind of um, things that are showcased in the Biophilic Design Awards, please? So in our, we, we have done one Biophilic Design Awards issue, which was last July. Mm -hmm. uh, our top winner was actually from London, Plant okay. Designs London. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a project that had originally specced I think it was 80 to 90% artificial plants. Mm -hmm. And it was a multi-level atrium setup. They somehow managed to get about 10,000 plants, actual live plants throughout the office, throughout the building uh, and just did it up. And there was nothing quite like it as far as you know the other entries last year. We had some really good entries, um, but this one stood out, Plant Designs London. Um, yeah, excellent job they did. Yeah. Uh, I can send you some, I've sent you the issue just recently, but I can send you some more photos of the actual install and you can maybe post those uh, for people yeah. to see. But yeah, it was just really getting to the core of bringing plants and creating that biophilic design tie-in mm -hmm. with the plants. So yeah. it was an outstanding job that they had done. Yeah. Fantastic, great. Um, so, in, in, obviously, I sort of touched on the sort of environmental impact and why biophilic design is it sort of supports that. But um, how, what, what is it for you that the biophilic design can really do? If someone was thinking about, you know, if you're sort of, if if you were going to like pitch this to like a business owner, like to a, a hospital or to a workplace or. Um, how would you, if, if, if they kind of, if you, like, you know, there is a climate crisis, the IPCC report came out and said, we're not meeting our targets. Um, how would you kind of use biophilic design to get them over the, get them over the line, as it were, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's, you're almost in a, a pay to play situation. You know, it's, plants can be a luxury item at times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to be, committed and understanding that this is boosting your overall environment. And it's not just for you, it's for your staff. Mm. It's also a representation of your company when you walk in. If your plants look ratty when you walk into an office building, well, are they gonna be taking care of me as a client or is it gonna be, you know, is that what I can expect? So it's, it's you know, there's an appearance factor, but from an environmental standpoint, I mean, it, it would really come in down to specking the right plants, the right planters. You know, there's sub-irrigation that we use a lot. We want to try to stretch things out to not have as much maintenance to them. You know, lower drinking plants. Uh, yeah, just really going for the best bang for the buck, getting mm -hmm. them as much as they can afford to do mm -hmm. and, and getting them the health benefits essentially associated with plants so mm. benefits are for the staff and the clients typically yeah. so that's yeah. kind of how it goes with plants 
yeah okay great thanks um i mean you mentioned about the nasa study and there's all these different mm -hmm. um scientific research reports that we've kind of looked at um in the past kind of thing um i mean yep. there, there is so much that you can know learn about biophilic design and it's like kind of knowing where to start um do you um do you have like a go-to place that you um that you would recommend people to to kind of have a have a look at to try and find out about biophilic design if you know or do you do you kind of um do you tend to kind of uh, just sort of talk about it kind of thing when you're when you're faced with a client uh typically i talk about it yeah there are a lot of resources that are out there green plants for green buildings which is one of the organizations in the united states uh, they've got a lot of information on biophilic design. Um, they're the driving force over here for bringing that into the built environment for the office space, you know, yeah. getting the proper information to architects and designers is kind of their mandate right now. Mm -hmm. So they're a good resource. I know, I believe it's plants at work in the UK mm -hmm. to have some information on biophilic design. Your site is great also, you know, really fine tuning that. Mm. understanding of, of what that is because you know people are focused on one thing or another when it's it's a lot of different things mm. so that's yeah. really kind of get the word out for that like I've seen you've got some large murals and pictures of plants that you're offering and I mean that looks great on the wall and that will give you that biofilm design too yeah 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 exactly yeah, the resources are are kind of everywhere you know, if yeah. you know where to look, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're going we're to have a, a search engine on the front of the Journal of Biophilic Design, which would be like sort of Google for biophilic design. So people can kind of like be a central hub, hoping that people can come to, um, you know, if they chance upon the site or whatever. So um, which is great. Um, do you um, do you have like an installation that you've done um, or that just, just sticks out in your mind? Is, has there been one that's like a sort of super challenge with lots and lots of different plants or there was like a huge tree or there was something that was just like radical that it was unexpected or because obviously you've been at, you've been at this for a long time. You know, if, if, is there anywhere that you've installed one over the course of your sort of plant career? Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah, go on. One comes to mind. Um, I've I've been Privileged to work with a, a company called G Sky Plant Systems, and they're a green wall provider. Um, I love their product line. It makes sense to me what they're doing. And they brought us into certain larger installs. Uh, one is in Toronto, where we built a green wall that started 20 feet off the ground and then went up another 55 feet mm. for an overall height of 75 feet. And then it was about 10 feet wide. Wow. So there was 3,200 four inch plants that went into that. And the build was, we had to do it on a swing stage. So it was getting training on swing stage, fall safety. And then we started the install. First time we went over top of the wall and then had to dangle and then start to go down. So it was just like, I've been working at heights up into about 25, 30 feet typically is what I would go to. but going to 75 feet and starting at that height and going down it was nerve-wracking to say the least <laughs> but the the project how it turned out was just this awesome green wall it had this swoop design through it, it was kind of like a, I believe it was a river based mm -hmm. design and it faces Young Street which is the most famous street in Toronto it's in a glass cube that's lit up at night so there's this this like 
in the middle of winter, there'll be a huge green wall to look at in midtown Toronto. And that, you know, for traveling to go do the job, getting the training, going through the whole construction side of that, and, and then now we still maintain that wall, it's, it's was a feat. And it really pushed me outside of my typical, like, working zone. So that would be the one that would come to mind uh, as far as something that changed me as a person. That was the one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, lovely. I think that's what I really love about when I went interviewing people like yourself who are actually at the, at the coalface, at the, at the front, the front line, the front, you know, front facing um, of yeah. implementing biophilic design. Um, and it's like you say, it's like just actually holding the plants and touching the plants and then collaboration and, and where you get to install things. I mean, that just sounds fantastic. I mean, like you say, it's like a river design and it lights up at night. So even in the wintertime, you've got something green to look at. And um, yeah. yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Um, I yeah, it, it, yeah, it's kind of biophilic design on a really large scale for the public to view. And, and it's like, it's there all the time. It's, yeah, being part of that particular project a lot of these projects are kind of they're behind the scenes where it's, it's in an office tower and it's yeah. you know it's away from the public they can't see it so mm. uh, unless you get into the retail sector where you're working within a mall and the mall's doing a lot of stuff people will see it then but mm. the offices tend to be more closed off but yeah. this particular one was really made for the public it was, it was awesome yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, I love I love that. I love the fact that biophilic design is out there for everybody to enjoy. I think it's um it's it's lovely. So um just a really a really a final question, um, which I ask everybody um as as part of this, you know, the biophilic design, um, journal of biophilic design. If you could paint the world with a, a magic brush of biophilia, what would it look like? Palm trees. <laughs> just kidding. Um there would be palm trees though. Definitely more plants. Mm. Um, yeah, nature, I think, inspired everything as much as possible. More water, you know, um, good weather. Just positive energy is, is what I think that's really the underlying basis of biophilic design is bringing positivity from multiple angles and trying to create that. It's almost a holistic approach to the well being. So yeah, sunshine, you know, warm weather, water, palm trees, you know, sand, beaches, uh, yeah, even being on the water, you know, in a sea dew or a boat. Um, those are all, you know, just great feelings, you know, that can all kind of be brought into the built environment in different ways, whether it's pictures, plants, all that stuff, so. Yeah, that would be just more of it. If it was more of a sustainable thing and affordable, that would also help. Uh, I know the world's going a little crazy these days, with the prices of everything. So it's it becomes challenging, you know, to give people, you want to give people the most they can for to get. And, and that's how I approach things. That's the kind of shopper I would be in. You know, I want the best bang for the buck. I don't mind spending, but I don't want to feel like, okay, I only got a couple things and you know it doesn't add up to me so as I'm selling I'm, I'm still in that mindset so I'm trying to give people as much as I can and that's typically how I go about you know dealing with clients so yeah just more more of all the good stuff less of the bad stuff 
Thank you for listening to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast.